Welcome to the podcast of Grace Community Bible Church. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged, and inspired by this message. For other sermons or more information, visit us at gracebiblechurch.org.au. It has been often said, and I'm sure that uh, we can all witness to the truth that In Melbourne, you can experience the four seasons, if not in a week, at least in a day. Yesterday, my wife and I had to go to a wedding. It had been planned many, many months ago. And you had planned a wedding for early February, and so, of course, the bridal party. We're arrayed and dressed, ready for a hot summer Saturday. It wasn't quite that. Seasons. You know, one thing about going to uh, Cambodia, and those of you who are from uh, uh, tropical uh, climates recognize that there are only two seasons in such places. There's either the uh, uh, wet season or the dry season. And while they come and go, the one thing that is constant is it's always hot. It's always hot. Even if you get drenched, Give it a wee bit of time and you'll be all dry again. Seasons. Today I want you to consider with me a man who looked for a more convenient season. I trust you have your Bible with you. I'm turning to the Acts of the Apostles, the 24th chapter, Acts 24, I'm going to read from verse 22 to the end of verse 27. Acts 24 and verse 22. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, that is Paul, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present, and when I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he went for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Posturus Festus, desiring to do the Jews a favor. Felix left Paul in The context of this portion of of Scripture is simply that at the close of chapter 23, Governor Felix 
had ordered that uh, Paul be kept in Herod's palace until his accusers had arrived in Caesarea. And so in chapter 24, Paul's trial begins. From verses 1 to 9, we have the case for the prosecution. In verses 10 through 21, there is the defense. And then from verses 22 through 27, we have the outcome. That is, at this point in the trial, it is brought to a temporary halt. Felix adjourns the court until the arrival of Claudius Lysias. And during that waiting period, it appears that Drusilla persuaded her husband Felix to let her join him in having a conversation with Paul. And so her wish was granted. So what can we glean, what can we learn this morning from this time that the apostle had with these two figures? My outline is simple. And my first point is this, Felix trembled. Felix trembled. Verse 25, he was alarmed. He was afraid. Now who was Felix? Who was Drusilla? And why their interest in the apostle? And why is it that Felix trembled. Well, let me give you something of their personal history. Felix was a Gentile. He was originally a slave, but along with his brother Pallas, he was freed by the, the mother of Claudius, who later became emperor of Rome. Pallas, the brother, was influential within the, the, the court of Rome, and it was through his, his mediation that Felix, who himself was, was ready to indulge the emperor in any wish that he had, that Felix was appointed governor of Judea. And as governor, he brought fear and terror to his people. With the help of the Syrian troops, he had crucified thousands of Jews and Gentiles. He was a thief. He was greedy. He was easily bribed. He was totally unjust. The Roman historian Tacitus said of Felix, and I quote, He exercised in Judea the imperial functions with a mercenary soul. That was Felix. Drusilla. Well, listen to her family line. She was the third daughter of King Agrippa I, who was responsible for killing James, recorded in Acts chapter 12. Her great-uncle was Herod Antipas, who was responsible for the death of John the Baptist. And then her great-grandfather, 
was Herod the Great, who killed many innocent children in an unsuccessful attempt to destroy the baby Jesus. We believe that Drusilla was only about 19 years of age when she came with Felix, her husband, to listen to Paul. She had a reputation of being ravishingly beautiful, but she had no principles. And though a Jewess had no qualms of conscience about marrying this pagan Felix, for she was attracted by the lavish, lawless, luxurious life that he had promised her. So this, this is the Apostles' congregation. Godless materialists who would do anything to gain power, who would do anything to retain power, who would do anything to fulfill the hedonistic lifestyle. That was their history. But now they have an opportunity, an opportunity. For they send for Paul to listen to him personally. Why? Well, let me put forward at least two reasons that I think come from the text, and that is Felix was acquainted with the way. You see that in verse 22. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way. The way was a term used by early Jewish Christians. They were followers of him who said, I am the way. And so it was a common term that was used to describe followers of Jesus Christ. And even in our day, there are still churches called churches of the way. And so it would seem that Felix had quite some knowledge of the way. It was of interest to him. And also it would appear that he was keen for Drusilla, who had a Jewish background, to understand who this Jesus was. So the meeting was arranged. But there was also another reason for it. Felix was fishing for a bribe. You get it implied in verse 26. He was hoping that Paul would give him something because he knew Paul had brought a gift from the churches to the churches of Jerusalem. So he had backers. Maybe they would pay to get him set free. But what did they get? Faith in Christ Jesus. Because this was not only their opportunity, but this was the apostles' opportunity to bring the message of Christ to these two people sitting in front of him. And what a message it was that he brought to them. It wasn't, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Paul had, like, I'm tempted to say, 
all good preachers, he had three points. His first point, it was a word of confrontation. For we're told that Paul reasoned about righteousness. He set forth the divine characteristic and the great requirement of God. Righteousness is what God is and what men and women aren't. Paul's gospel, you see, was a gospel that began with God, who he is, what he is like, not man and his need. And this God is a righteous God, a holy God. And thus Paul confronts them with the truth about this God with whom they have to do. He confronts them with God who is altogether righteous. He was confronting their own character. The second point was a word of conviction. For now he deals with their conduct. Because his second point was what? Self-control. Self-control. What an arrow to their conscience that was. Because here was a couple who knew nothing about self-control. Drusilla, a young woman who was driven by her passions. And Felix, a man ruthless in the exercise of his power. And that term that Luke gives to us in this 24th chapter. That word self-control is a term that frequently denotes sexual purity that is maintained by exercising restraint in one's conduct. Something this pair knew nothing about. But the apostle knew his audience and he boldly courageously sets forth the truths of the gospel. Confrontation, conviction, and then a word of confirmation. But what's his last point? You have it there. He spoke about coming judgment. Coming judgment. Yes, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after that, there's judgment. What was it that Paul preached to those at Athens? Listen to the words of Acts 17.31. God commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is what Paul preached. And this is what preaching faith in Christ entails. Judgment. Individual judgment. Inescapable judgment. Just judgment, final judgment. The terror of falling into the hands 
of the living God. And here's Phoenix sitting there. And he's a judge. But Paul, as it were, says to him, Felix, one day you are going to be judged by a judge who knows all about you. Who reads your mind, who knows your thoughts, who knows the very words you're going to speak before they tumble from your lips. And so Felix trembled. Felix trembled. This message was too pointed. This message was too personal. This message was too piercing. Unless he give, he give way, Felix, as it were, takes a grip on himself and he breaks off the conversation. For we read that Felix was alarmed and said, Go away. Go away for the present. And when I have a more convenient season, I will call for you. What an opportunity, my friends, to flee from the wrath to come. But what a tragedy. Go away. Go away. Felix trembled. But my second point is this. I want you to notice Felix only trembled. Felix only trembled. There's no contrition. There was no repentance. There was no calling upon God for mercy. There's no coming to faith in Christ Jesus. Oh yes, Felix feared. And Felix was afraid, and Felix was alarmed, and Felix trembled, but he only trembled. And trembling by itself is no sure sign of salvation. Let me take you back to Acts chapter 16. The Philippian jailer. You remember the story, Paul and Silas are in prison and they're praying and they're, they're singing and suddenly there's a great earthquake and seeing some of the prison doors open, the, the jailer was about to kill himself. But Paul cries out to him, do yourself no harm, we are all here. And what happened next? We read, the jailer rushed in. And trembling with fear, it's the same emotion. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Trembling with fear, but not only trembling. There is the demonstration of humble submission. There is here earnest supplication. There is here the desire of salvation. The trembling led him to cry out, What must I do to be saved? In 1746, Jonathan Edwards wrote one of his greatest works. It's entitled, The Religious Affections. You can still get it today, and you need to get it 
today. It was penned in the light of the great awakening of 1740 through 1742. And Edward's object in writing was to help to distinguish between true and false religion by showing the marks, the true marks, of a saving work of the Holy Spirit. And he deals with negative signs and he deals with positive signs. And when Edwards comes to deal with the negative signs that show this is not a work of the Spirit of God, one aspect he looks at and he explains and explores is the bodily effects of the gospel. And he says the presence of of tears by themselves are not a sign of a true work of God. Convulsions are not. Laughter is not. Crying out is not. Groaning is not. Trembling is not. By themselves, these emotions, physical demonstrations, do not constitute a sign of the Spirit's work. These things may be present, but they are never alone. They're always accompanied by a desire for Christ, a delight in His Word. There are other fruits than simply emotional, physical signs. Felix is physically gripped, but that's all. That's all. He trembled. Why did he not move on? Can I suggest to you because of his pride? His pride. He was a powerful man. He was a a prominent figure. He was a person of importance and influence. He had affairs of the state to look after. He is a man who had the ear of the emperor. Even here in Acts 24, he had the power, the authority to adjourn the proceedings against Paul. He, he had to remember his, his position and power and profession. What would, what would people think if, if he became a follower of this Jesus? His pride. His passion. He was not ready to give up his sins. You see, he only had to look around that room and there sitting probably beside him was the love of his life, the idol of his heart, Drusilla. And he knew that the way was a narrow way. That faith in Christ demanded a cross. And that implied repentance and restitution. No, 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 no. He will satisfy his lust. He will drink the whole cup of desire dry. He will allow his passions to continue to rule. Felix would not part with Drusilla nor disgorge the ill-gotten gains of his province. Acquainted with the way, listened attentively to Paul. But when the content pricked his conscience and began to be terrified, he realized where his sense of guilt might lead him. And so he took himself in hand and said, Paul, sorry. Sorry. Go your way. He took himself in hand. Enough. 
enough. He trembled, but Felix only trembled. No, yes, there were other occasions, as you will read, but the pride remained, the passion continued to be there, the desire of a bribe was still there. Pride, passion, and let me add one other point, his presumption. His presumption. You see, like so many, Felix believed that his times were in his hand. That he was the master of his fate. That he was the captain of his soul. That he could come to faith in Christ at a, another more convenient season. But he had failed to learn from Israel, as declared in that 95th Psalm, and as illustrated by Esau. The words of Hebrews 12:17, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. And in the words of warning of John Owen, no one knows where deliberate sin might lead. And so as Paul clearly states in Romans 9.16, so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. You see, my friends, there is a principle and there is a promise. And the principle of Scripture is this, and you find it in Mark chapter 4 and verse 25. Jesus says, For to the one who has, more will be given, and the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What's the meaning? What's the principle? Well, what happens to your muscles if you don't use them? They atrophy. They decline. They waste away due to neglect. What happens if you fail to respond to God's word? What happens if you fail to trust and to obey? What happens when you fail to hear and heed? You soon will fail to hear. Failure to heed and heed and hear will drive you to that point where you will no longer hear. The words of Sinclair Ferguson. Unless we silence sin, sin will silence our conscience. Unless we heed God's word, the day may come when we despise God's Son, and then God will have nothing more to say to us. That was Felix. What a tragic story 
Felix trembled, but Felix only trembled. He did not heed the promise. For what is the promise? The words of Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and the Lord will have compassion upon him and to our God because he will, he will abundantly pardon. What a promise. What a pardon. But how pathetic. Felix never owned it. Felix never claimed it. A tragic story. And I wonder this morning, is it your story? How many Esau's are sitting in churches this morning? How many Felix's are sitting in congregations this morning? Oh, you're acquainted intellectually with Christianity. You're attentive to the sermon when it's preached. You, you know the evangelical language. You know the, the liturgy that goes on within the church. And at times you may even tremble at the message of the gospel. But as far as turning away from your sin and trusting in Christ alone. Ah, a more convenient season. I wonder if that's you here, my dear friend. In your pride, because of your passion, your prominence, you sit there and you listen and it gets to that point where you, you talk to yourself and you say, get a grip on yourself. You, can, you don't have to go along with what that preacher is saying. Think it through. Think of what it's going to cost you. No, 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 no. Let him go. You can take it up another time. There's always tomorrow. Is there? Is there? Felix trembled. Felix only trembled. But I'm not finished. Because my third point is this. Only Felix trembled. Only Felix trembled. Not a word is said about Drusilla's response. All we hear is the sound of silence. Maybe that was due to her sad background because here she is still a teenager, but she has had to learn from an early age how to thrive and survive in that wicked society. And she had used her charm and her beauty and her sensuality until she had arrived at that position now of being the wife of the governor of Judea. Attractive, alluring, but by now tough 
and scheming, hardened by her home and society. Felix trembled, Drusilla remained unmoved. And surely it was due to her sinful blindness, for her inability to recognize the truth and the love of the truth was not an intellectual one. It was a moral one. You see, men and women don't believe the gospel because of lack of evidence. They don't believe it because they don't want to believe it. And they will not believe it. This God of this world has blinded eyes so that they will not see and believe. And so there is a, a hatred for truth and rebellion in the human heart and a refusal to submit to the Lord God. And my friends, the devil knows how to beguile us. Listen to Martin Luther. It is rightly called the deceitfulness of sin because it deceives under the appearance of good. It holds out to us something desirable, something we want and so gains our assent to what is evil. Sin bears a penalty, and that penalty is death. And not simply that death when our body comes to decay, but that spiritual death where our heart is hardened and our conscience is seared and our understanding is darkened. And our will is bound. And you can hear the greatest message proclaimed by the greatest preacher and remain unmoved. For at the root, there is no fear of God before their eyes. For to fear God is to reverence Him, it is to worship Him, it is to seek to obey Him and love Him and depart from evil. But failure to fear God is to be godless and unrighteous, it is to live as though there were no God and thus no judgment to come. To fear God is to reverence Him with our eyes, that is to have God always in our thoughts and in our minds and in our plans and in our dreams and in our desires. It's to look up and to judge everything and evaluate everything and to see everything from the divine perspective. But not to fear God. There's reason to be afraid and there's reason to tremble. Because to such a one, God is not safe. God is not safe. His terrible holiness and righteousness and justice awaits. Awaits. He's made the appointment and he's empowered the one who will judge. Felix trembled. Felix only trembled. And only Felix trembled. 
And can I say therefore to you, my dear Christian brother and sister, do you still feel the pangs of conscience? Do you still feel the pain of guilt? Do you still feel the pull of sin? Then praise God for such sensitivity. Thank God for such pain. Someone once preached a sermon on the gift that keeps on giving. What is it? What's the gift that keeps on giving? Guilt. Guilt. Because in guilt it drives us to gain more of Christ and enjoy more of all that he has done for us sinful men and women. It causes us to flee to the Savior. And so what do I want you to take away this morning? Just these two little thoughts. Take advantage of today. Today. In the words of Hebrews 3, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. The words of Jesus make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Why? Why believe? Why turn to Christ today? Because later, a more convenient time may never come. You see, hell, hell is filled with people who are waiting a more convenient season. But that season never came. If you're not a Christian here this morning, heed the warning. Let not today pass without calling upon Christ to pardon you and to cleanse you. Because every time that you have this message of faith in Christ brought to you and you refuse to accept it and apply it, you make yourself less capable of receiving it and hearing it and heeding it another time. Spiritual atrophy advances. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so to you, my dear Christian brother and sister, pray for tenderness of heart. Guard your heart by hiding God's Word in it. Hiding God's Word in our heart so that we will not sin against Him. And then keep short accounts with God. You know, Paul, when he talks about love in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love keeps no record of wrongs and how, good, how great it is to know that God doesn't keep a list of wrongs. And we're, we're told in the, ethically not to keep a list of wrongs against one another. But what about a list of wrongs that we keep against God? In order to keep short accounts, when the Spirit convicts us of sin, confess it and deal with it there. Don't keep a list building up of all those transgressions. It'll harden your heart. And then look unto Jesus. For the more we focus on him and what he has done, the more our hearts will be shaped to reflect him. 
And the best news of all is that God says to us through the Proverbs, he says, my son, my daughter, give me your heart. I'll keep it. I'll seal it for the courts above. Give me your heart. Have you ever done that? The joy and delight of knowing God is keeping your heart. Paul was led away. Felix's season for salvation would appear never came. He was called back to Rome and we believe he died of tuberculosis. Drusilla she took their son, Agrippa, for a holiday in Italy. She went off to enjoy herself. She booked a holiday apartment in a lovely, lovely town called Pompeii. And tradition has it that her and her son died in the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in October 79 AD. Tilney records that in one of his letters. What a history. So sad. What an opportunity. So wonderful. And yet what an eternity. For where will you spend yours? Delay is the decision is in the wrong direction. The invitation of the gospel has come today. Come now as a sinful soul to Christ the Savior and ask Him for pardon to accept you, to make you His own. For in the words of the old Puritan popularized by the martyred missionary Jim Elliot, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Felix trembled. And Felix only trembled. And only Felix trembled. Let's pray together. And as we're in the attitude of prayer, Listen to the words of the hymn writer, Philip Doddridge. And will the judge descend? And must the dead arise and not a single soul escape his old discerning eyes? How will your heart endure the terrors of that day as earth and heaven before his face in fear will melt away? Before the trumpet sounds and earth gives up its stead, hear from the gospel-saving word what joyful news is spread. And so, sinners, seek God's grace, whose wrath you cannot bear. Run to the shelter of His cross and find salvation there. Amen. Amen.